Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. How? What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. Okay, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fuckies? That was a new one. I, I like that one. What the fuckinooks? I got to talk to you guys directly in just a second. This is Mark Marin. This is WTF. Thank you for listening. I am here in the garage at the Cat Ranch. Uh, today on the show, Amy Poehler. Very exciting to talk to her. Uh, you know, we do have a past. Not a sordid past. Not a romantic past. But uh, I do remember when she moved to New York. And that will be part of the discussion. I'm here in the garage wrestling with my new glasses. As you know, I told you about my optometrist, and that experience was much more rewarding than actually picking up my glasses. I don't know what it is about uh, me, or maybe this is a common thing with people that wear glasses. Uh, Every few years, you're like, wow, I need new glasses. Do I really need new glasses? No, I think on some level, what you're saying is, I have been blessed with the gift of shitty eyes, which enables me to change the appearance of my face uh, every few years or whenever I'd like that to happen. I can change the appearance of my face. I can become a new me because I have to. I've got a problem. Why don't you get Lasix? That's dangerous. Why don't you get contacts? They irritate me. All right, so I get to change my face. So I went to the optometrist. Then I went to uh, Oliver Peoples, of course, uh, because I love their frames and they're really expensive. So you really feel like you're you're putting a lot of money into making your face into a new face without actually cutting into your face. So I ordered my glasses a couple weeks ago and I got them and I got to the store and I put them on and I'm like, wait, these are, how come, oh man, and the prescriptions is new and I can't really see and now I'm, are these glasses working? I, I got the progressives and now I'm moving my head up and down again like I did the first time I ever had them and I don't know if they're right. And I'm not sure the glasses are right. I'm not sure I like my new face. Disappointing. But the moment I bought them, when I put them on my face, I was like, I am new and different and powerful. And they're not completely new, but different enough. And I have just been born again with a new face. And now I got the new glasses on and I'm not sure that uh, I'm enjoying the new face. But that's my problem. I don't know if other people can relate to that. And I'm not sure the prescription is right. Every time I get a fucking new prescription, I spend weeks just going, are these right? Squinting, wondering, and then eventually just forget about it and you deal with the slight blur of reality. That's how it works with me. So what did I want to tell you about? I I feel like I've been keeping something from you uh, because I tweeted about it and I, I finally figured out a way to talk about it other than just sort of blind excitement because I don't know that uh, that's really my style. It is, but it's usually a slight mania about something irritating me. But there has been a shift in the way show business operates. Obviously, I'm in my garage. You guys know that. But because of me doing this in my garage, I've become a little more popular than I was before the garage. I mean, probably much more because I was... I was bordering on obscure then. So because of the work I'm doing here in the garage and because of you people listening to the show, I got a book deal, so I have to do that. That's very exciting. 
because I, I, I like the opportunity to write a book. Now I have to, to write the book, and that's happening when I have time. But it will get done. There's nothing better than that feeling of impending doom around something that you really want to do. It's that great feeling in college again. Your, your brain goes back to that place. It's like, can I take an incomplete? Not going to happen. I will write the book. Well, that's very exciting. But I also, not long ago, pitched a show, a television show, based on my life uh, that as I live it now. I'm a guy who does a podcast in his garage, and people that people know uh, from the world of celebrity and comedy come into my garage, and they talk to me. That's a reality. Would that have been a reality 10 years ago? Would Ben Stiller have come to my garage 10 years ago? Would Conan O'Brien have been sitting here amidst my mess uh, 10 years ago or even five years ago? Absolutely not. It just didn't exist as a, as a thing that people would do. But now it is. So that's a reality. I said, look, I'm a guy. Uh, I, you know, my life is, uh, you, you know, I've, I've hit the wall with everything. And uh, I was at, you know, I was in trouble. And now I uh, and now Conan O'Brien comes to my garage. Now, if I pitched that five year, years ago, they would have said that's uh, that's a stretch. You really think, you, you know, celebrities are going to come to your garage. And now it's a reality. So that is part of the show. So then I pitched, uh, you know, my relationship with uh, women, my ex-wife, uh, my father, uh, my producer, and 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 we created a, a, a sort of show world, a, a world for a show to exist. So I pitched that to a production company, and then we all went in and pitched it to a studio, and they said, great, uh, that sounds great, we'd really like to do this. So the studio then would, if they liked it, would go try to sell it to a network. Now, th- this is just a way of doing things in show business. But the way it w- used to happen is somebody would give somebody a lot of money. I, I, you know, I've at a few times in my life, I've been given a lot of money to write, not a lot of money, but money to write a show about me, usually with another writer. And then what happens generally is you write a script, you bring it into the executives and they go, well, I don't know. It doesn't speak so much to, uh, you know, we need somebody young in there. Well, it's not about that. So then all of a sudden you've got, uh, hey, look, my long lost adopted son showed up who happens to be age appropriate for the demographic they're trying to uh to accommodate here with this show. So then it all gets away from you. And then you just got paid a lot of money to basically have your idea, uh, you know, fucked in the ass uh, in front of you and, and humiliated. And it's very sad to see an idea uh, in that condition. Once an idea gets raped by executives, uh, you don't know how to handle it. You got to send the idea, you know, into counseling and, and hopefully the idea, uh, you know, can get back up on its feet or evolve in some way after such a, a horrendous, abusive tragedy. But that's not the way it goes. And theoretically, they've paid you enough money uh, so you don't mind that your idea gets raped. So now we don't have much money at all. I don't get paid for this. We, we just, how do you do that? You know, how do you make this? We got an opportunity. We decided to shoot a mini pilot as a presentation because uh, the money's not there to create a pilot. But this is the way the, in- this is way the industry works. I'm a guy in my garage who has defined his voice by talking to you guys and talking to uh, my peers and and people I want to interview in my garage. So that's my character. Finally, I've arrived at my character. Right now, my character is wearing glasses that uh, have changed his face a little bit, so the character is a little uncomfortable. But the character of Mark is relatively defined. So the production company gets the studio to kick in some bread and, uh, you know, on a very minimal budget, shoot this mini pilot. I've never had this experience before. I've never shot anything that I created. So I sat down with a writer, you know, a few months ago, Duncan Birmingham, brilliant guy, great writer, and uh, we put together this show about me 
and about some events in my life. And the next thing I know, we're casting people and they're sending me options. Who's going to play Mark's dad? And I look at this list of people. It's like Ed Asner, uh, you know, uh, Alan Arkin, uh, Elliot Gould, basically, you know, older Jewish men that we all know from movies and television. So it turns out Ed Asner is going to do it. Now, who's going to play my girlfriend? This uh, this woman named Angela Trimber. She's uh, an improv actress. She's a little crazy. So that looks great. And then she has some housemates that are kind of stoners. So who's going to do that? Then all of a sudden, Matt Jones is involved, the guy who plays Badger in Breaking Bad. Hilarious. And my buddy, Sean Patton. Seth Morris from the UCB. Awesome. Played uh, my producer. Now, there's a brief couple of lines for... Uh, you know, a black comic. Who's that? Well, how about Kamal? Kamal's my buddy, so he flies down from San Francisco. So who's going to play the vet? How about Erin Daniels from The L Word? And she's a, a great actress. and like, oh, She's in too? Oh, my God. And then we're like, who's going to play the cats? Oh, fuck. How are we going to get? We got to have, we need a cat guy. This was sort of tricky. I needed, I needed, uh, I needed cat actors. And you know what? They're, they're, uh, they're, they're not as reliable. <laughs> but... But the point being is, you know, over a few months time and I sort of put it on the back burner because I don't let myself get excited anymore. I've been too broken hearted by this business on too many junctures, which happens. So I just put my expectations into the right place. I got a lot of good people working on this. I will show up to work. And sure enough, the day comes on Thursday and my house is filled with a camera crew. They're shooting like it seemed like with, with five or six video cameras. There's a uh, craft services. There's a video village set up. My deck is full of stuff. It, you know, there, there are people around. And, and thank God for Ken Jong. I asked him to be the guest and uh, and he agreed. So he's playing himself. So I got Ken Jong in the house. We're shooting in the garage and Ed Asner shows up. And I got Ed Asner sitting in my living room wondering where his coffee is. And given all the swirl and the budget we were on, I got to make Ed Asner coffee in the middle of all this chaos. And he's working his lines and we're rehearsing. And I'm on my driveway with Ed Asner. And within a, about 10 minutes, he's calling me uh, you know, a bastard and a cocksucker and uh, you know, just being a, a cranky old fuck that he is. And he was genius. So I was the thing I was most nervous about was my scene with Ed Asner. Meanwhile, Monkey and LaFonda are locked in my bedroom through the whole shoot, freaking out. So we have this great day where we shoot this scene where I get in a fight with my girlfriend and 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 it gets ugly and then it, of course all you know slightly tweaked you know that doesn't happen with me and uh, we we shot for like eighteen hours in my house and I felt pretty proud of myself and I got through that first hoop and then we were going to shoot again the next day and um, I walk into uh, my bedroom to uh, to see my cats. And uh, one of them had taken a big shit on the bed, but not on the bed, like directly centered in the middle of my white comforter. There was just a a nice pile of compact cat shit. So no matter what excitement we find in our life, you always be brought back down to earth by something. And on that day, it was just a very sort of decisive and strategic bit of of cat shit. Just a you know, it was it, it was almost sort of like. All right, this is this is your reward for not thinking about us first. God forbid. So I hadn't acted in a while, and uh, I got to be honest with you, it's always been difficult playing me in almost any situation. That's been the struggle of my entire life was uh, how do I play me? And, of course, I did the shoot before I got the new glasses, so I was, I was more comfortable with the role. Um, but it, it was great, uh, and the next day of shooting was great. Uh, I, I've, I'm very excited. Uh, it's not something you guys are going to see. The director we used was Luke Matheny, uh, who uh, won, as you remember, he was actually the greatest thing about the Academy Awards. He won the best live action short Academy Award. 
and uh, he was just all excited. Uh, so he shot the thing. It was spectacular. It was great to work with a group and ensemble to be in the hands of people that knew what they were doing and for me to just focus on being me. And you know how hard that is for me. But unfortunately, it's not something you're going to see. It's something we hope uh, uh, TV stations will be interested in. Uh, I think we did a great job, and you know, I just want to thank everybody who was part of it and, and Dr. Ken uh, for showing up for me. It was uh, really great. And then uh, you know, t- a day after the shoots uh, yesterday, I wanted to buy a dresser. I need a dresser, so I go to this furniture store, and I'm looking at stuff, and uh, I see Jimmy Kimmel in the store, who I've met a few times. We, we know each other a bit. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I've got my new glasses on and, and I sort of approached him slowly and, uh, I said, can I help you? Uh, and he turned around and he goes, well, I'm just looking for, uh, and then he notices it, it's me and he goes, oh, but there was that split second there where even though he knew it was me, he wasn't sure whether or not I was working at the furniture store. We addressed that and he bought the dresser that I wanted. <laughs> get really close to the mic when you talk huh? i do right. with these mics I, I it's just i find you know i mean you can pull back a little but i'm okay. just looking for a level so what is going on you're done with this oh, by the way amy polar is in my uh garage hello mark it's nice to see you thank you it's very nice to be here i'm, I'm very excited you're here aziz ansari seems to be obsessed with you being here <laughs> He's literally like, um, is she is she coming on? I really want to hear that. <laughs> Don't you guys talk I, over it there? It sounds like I'm going to have to do a lot of talking about Aziz to make it satisfying for him. Well, I I think that that's is that that's probably you're right. You're right. He probably did that to hear about himself. No, uh, for some reason I I thought it was like I never talk to her. She just doesn't talk to me. <laughs> no. <laughs> Like the I've set, never, like I've Amy's never, by herself. She doesn't <laughs> talk to anyone on set. I've never made eye contact or with made a full <laughs> sentence with Aziz. Well, Aziz is like, um, he's such a, he's like so talented and, and performing so much. And, and But he also has that old school, like UCB. Um, he likes to listen to the lore, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, he I like, think. Oh, I think so, right? Yeah. Well, I think I talk to him and there doesn't seem to be a lot of, History. I mean, how old is he? Is what is he? Thirty? Yeah, I don't know. So, I, I, I everyone under thirty, I think, is twenty. Yeah, and we're like, I guess we're kind of old timers now, are we? Yeah, I think so. And I mean, I met you, but wait, let's go. What? So you're done taping, and you go back to New York? How does that work for you? Yeah, we tape out here, so I've been out here a lot, but I still live in New York. So and, does and, and no one? No what? one lives in New York anymore. Well, I know something no, went wrong. Everyone's gone. Yeah, I mean, no, Jody Lennon's there. Yeah. And um, a couple of people there, the people that revolve around The Daily Show and some of those other shows. But I don't know, it became impractical to live there after a certain point. Honestly, I think it was like a post-2001 exodus. You think so? Yeah, the past 10 years, everyone's been moving away. Didn't you get a place like right down there? Yeah, I used to live down near there. But now I I live a little bit, and I live in the West Village now, but um, yeah, you know. And you're here most of the time, so does Will hang out here? Yeah, we we live we go back and forth. We're like by But you're together, you're not like, you know, it's not like I'm leaving the kids with you, I got things to do here. You're actually a functioning family. We're actually like a traveling circus. <laughs> How many kids do you Two have? Two kids. Oh man. Two kids under three. Oh God. Mm-hmm. So you people love you on the uh, plane. Oh, it's a nightmare. I, I can't even imagine. Well, we do that thing where we go around, and you know, the you know how you don't want to talk to anybody anyway on the sure. airplane, right? Um, and I'm you're glad, both. I'm glad I'm doing my airplane material. Early no, airplane's good. You open right up with it. You open strong. But um, you have to go around and 
kind of apologize in advance. And it's like helpful if they recognize me. So you have to do that thing you hate where you have to go and kind of like show them and be like, hey, yeah. these are my kids. And they go, oh, you're, and I go, I am. And we're going to, isn't it going to be fun how bad they're going to be? And, yeah. You see and you do the whole circle around the <laughs> yeah. area? Yeah, we do like a circle around the area. And it works uh -huh. because yeah. it just, you don't stress about the fact. Do, that, do you have shitty kids on the plane? No. Oh, well, that's good. They're good. It's I, just, I know. saw, what's her name? Amy Adams? Is that the yeah. redheaded actress? Mm -hmm. She was like right next to me with her kid. And, uh. And, you know, it's weird when you see movie stars on planes anyways, mm -hmm. and then there you're with their kid, and now you're like, oh, I might have reason to hate her, you yeah. know, if that kid, you know, right. and, and, they're, and they're nervous too. So it offers other people a window into your fear and vulnerability. Where it does. I say, like, I want you to know we have a lot of toys and stuff, and we're going to work really hard, and we're going to, but he might lose it, and I hope <laughs> while he's losing it, you recognize me, and you're okay with <laughs> and it. And you realize, she's really funny. <laughs> she's given us hours of laughter. <laughs> I had some kid on the plane the other uh, last week or so, like had like had a not only was it crying, but it had an unusual cry, which was mm -hmm. twice as irritating. And I hate when I actually hate them. Yeah. Like I feel hate towards. Well, I don't like anyone else's kids. Yeah, is that true? Yeah. Yeah. I, you think having kids makes you like all kids, but it, it doesn't. You is just there, like your kids. Yeah. Is there? But do you like actually resent them like that kid? Yeah. Oh, good. Good for you. That's good for Especially you. Especially if you're by yourself because you're like, I don't have my kids now. This yeah. is the time where I'm supposed to pretend like I'm 24. And, <laughs> yeah. And um, you go play. Yeah. And, and then in the, traveling the world by mm -hmm. myself. No. Yeah. No, doesn't happen. Those days are do you, are, are all your friends have kids too, though? Some. Some don't. Yeah. A, a lot of, I have a lot of friends that don't have kids and a lot of ladies lady friends are still single oh really mm -hmm. are they happy you don't have to go into it i mean i just I wonder don't know because my mom always says that you'll find an age-appropriate woman and i'm like well why what happens yeah. then do you sit around and go well we blew it <laughs> <laughs> here I, we are <laughs> i can't you're lucky you're lucky you got a guy you like I know, you're right. But, you know, you have to kind of, at this point, you have to find people that have already been divorced. Divorced? Oh, yeah. At least once. At least, yeah. if, you aren't, if you're in your 40s and you're a man and you're not, you haven't been divorced at least once, there's something up. Oh, yeah. Same with a woman. I mean, if you meet a 45-year-old yeah. woman who's never been married, you're yeah. like, well, this is a match made in God. I don't even know where. It's going to be <laughs> rough. So are you, now what happened? So you shot how many? I don't understand how television works. Okay. Well, we shoot. We well, You have cameras. We shoot cameras <laughs> yeah. and we say words out of our mouths. Uh -huh. And then they shoot it up into space and it comes back. Mm -hmm. um, we just finished season three and okay. then we're going to pick up season four in July, have a regular schedule, hopefully. Oh, okay. So what was but it? We did, we did a weird shooting thing because I was pregnant and uh, so we had to shoot around that. I've seen you on TV pregnant before. It's so, ugh, I'm so tired of it. I mean, you're just up there with your pregnancy. Yeah. It's... On SNL, right? Didn't you well, go on SNL? SNL was I got to be a dance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I did. That's why I just remember you dancing pregnant. And I thought, yeah. well, that's something. Because yeah. there's a part of me that I, I, when I see pregnant women, it makes me uncomfortable because yeah. I don't see how that could be comfortable. You're right. Like, I feel like you should just go home. It's very, <laughs> it's very interesting when you're no longer um, being sexualized, mm -hmm. what happens. It's kind of cool because you have to, like, rely on, there's just no, like, men, when you're pregnant, act really weird. They and, do. Yeah, some of them act really like into you and like, interested in you. Let me touch your you. belly. Yeah, and yeah, it's also fucking weird. Yeah, but a lot of guys like really they don't even want to like make eye contact with you. It's very strange because I think they see you as handicapped somehow. Yeah, you're sexually handicapped. <laughs> <laughs> 
But do you yeah, do you feel that objectification though? I mean, do you feel that like you know? Well, when we were like talking about, about being old, I felt like you know when we were when I first knew you back in New York. I mean, I was what twenty twenty. No, let's see, I was there in ninety. Uh, we can go through the uh, the. So the I was twenty two, twenty three. Yeah, I remember you. Yeah, and it was a lot different. You know what? Like the you, I just got different attention. Sure. And it it, it was. And what you it had was. a different energy too. I think. Yeah. We were all just kind of like, I felt like when we arrived in New York, we were kind of like the, no, we were thought of as a little bit of like the hayseeds. Yeah. We were like the, the Chicago ones. The sh- and, you know, only one of us was actually from Chicago, but we But came what was the trajectory? You, you grew up where? In Boston. With a, the, a suburb outside of Boston. Which one? Burlington, Mass. I know kind of, I know yeah. where that is. It's near Lexington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time in there uh, around those areas. Yeah. And you had like, uh, you have a family. Yeah. <laughs> I have, have a family. You have siblings? <laughs> I have a family of wolves. Yeah. Uh, and I have a brother who lives in Stockholm. He's a- In Sweden? Yeah. Holy shit. He met a it? Swedish girl and he moved there. That sounds like the luckiest guy in the world. It's like socialism at its best. Is he happy? Yeah. He has free health care. He has two great kids. They free daycare. Everyone's kind of attractive Everyone's there. attractive. Um, it's terrible weather. But really? It's yeah. gray But he cold. speaks Swedish and he- Did he always? No, he learned it. Oh my! Is he older he or in younger? Love. He's three years younger, and he's just—he's locked in. Yeah, he's, he's Swedish there. now. I thought he was going to try it, and he was going to miss America so much that he would come back, and he's locked in. Really? Do you this, go see him? Yeah, he's this awesome, crazy house. Like a like an IKEA house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it folds up at night. That's amazing. Yeah, you, and amazing. you build it yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and it comes in my sections. Husband, my husband and I used to say that IKEA is Swedish for argument. <laughs> <laughs> That's my one joke I'll tell today. Okay, and um, then okay, so you grew yeah. up there and you went to college. My parents were teachers. Oh my God, that's so, you know so lefties, you, lefty teachers. Dukakis, who put, uh, you know we did, sure. we like fundraise for Dukakis. Oh uh, yeah, and all that. good Massachusetts mm-hmm. lefties. And there was a, a, a high. Um, you were taught that learning is good. Yes. What kind of teachers were they? My mom was a, a special ed teacher. In, uh-huh. uh, uh, our, she was a, all different kinds of, you know, first grade, and then yeah. she got her um, master's, and she taught special ed in her high school. And yeah. my dad was a Boston public school teacher. You, he, you might be one of the well-adjusted ones. Yeah, but don't I think there's a lot of well-adjusted uh-huh. lady. Oh, yeah. Ladies, well, it's sure. different. It's a different story. Like, oh, there's a lot of good girls, yeah. at least in my class. Like, yeah, in comedy, you mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I think you sort of have to be. Do because, you? well... There's a couple ways you can go with that. Either you're, you know, you're a, a comedy girl that you know fucks all the comics and then ends up that girl. It's very hard to rise above that, right. though it happens. It happens. Mm-hmm. Or you're the one that works hard and you got to, you know, you've yeah. got to be really fucking funny. Yeah. And you're one of them. Thank you. Yeah. But that's when when we used to perform with you when UCB, and we would be on the same bill. It was a lot of like. Well, different there was, styles. Well, there were, well, what happened was, well, let's go back. Wait, let's okay, finish sorry. up where you came from. So, just so I know, so you're in Boston. I'm in Boston. Went, I went to Boston College. Oh, see, that's like I went to BU in the Boston College. Well, are you Catholic? Yeah. Uh huh. So, and, did you get in automatically because you're Catholic? Yeah, they just they just right. They you open the door and they just kick in a plaid you in. skirt. Yeah. You're like, am I in? Yeah. You're like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but that's um, a good school. You're smart. It was a great fans. school, but it I I shouldn't have gone there. I I I didn't. Um, there were a lot of rich. I, I grew up very middle class. with yeah. a lot of rich kids there. Yeah, and I wasn't prepared for that. A lot like, of real preppies there. Really, like a lot of prep school yeah. kids. Yeah, and I, I was, I felt, um, 
Did you resent him? Yeah. Was there class I just, warfare? Yeah, I just didn't. I didn't even get the language. I didn't understand, you know. Oh, and they all wore those stupid pants and this. And, and they every, knew how to decorate their dorm rooms really well. Oh, yeah, with, with like, uh, you know, L.L. Bean stuff. Mm-hmm. and But they all, like that whole Boston College, to me it was just a bunch of, of you know, kind of pale Irish-looking men. Yeah. Who were a little stocky, mm-hmm. and either they played sports or they didn't, but they all wore the same button-down shirts. Yeah, and then like a bunch of uh, the women were were shorter and either mm-hmm. Italian or Irish-looking. <laughs> Am I generalizing? Yeah, it was just like a sea of bad lays. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, and there you were, and there I was, and that's when you started. What were you? What did you major in? I was communications. That's that's and good and vague. Yeah, and you vague, can do anything yeah. with that. Mm-hmm. The communications major, <laughs> and it was. There were like a few interesting Jesuits at the time who were kind of cool, even though they would like, you know, even back then I, they were living in yeah. beautiful mansions sure. paid for by the church. It was crazy. And now we and know God gay. knows what was going yeah, on. They were in all, there. they were like really sophisticated gay men. Not out gay. No, God, no. no but, you know, it was, it was, it was, everyone sure. was like, we all, we all understand yeah. what's happening. Sure. That's why you're interesting. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then I started to realize, oh no, I'm at this big school and I feel lost. And so I just gravitated toward this improv group in college. I saw improv for the yeah. first time, and it was this improv group with like some you know goofy name. Yeah, one of many goofy names. You that don't remember it? Was yeah, my mother's flea bag. Uh-huh. And it was this old improv group. You know, it had been around for at that time fifteen years or something. Oh, and I loved it. I saw the show and I was like, oh, this is funny. Yeah. I think I can do this. Yeah, I, I was trying to figure out what to do. I was yeah. acting, and I knew I I, I didn't. I, I didn't think I could be a stand-up, and so I I liked it. So I started doing that, and then kind of living off campus and hanging with like the kind of those kind of kids. You know? Sure, bongs, beer, lots of bongs, lots staying of beer, up late. Yeah. But you know, and just like a lot of like hating the school that we were in. So after college, you went to Chicago. So I went to Chicago, and I knew I wanted to do Second City. Studied there, and at the time, uh. You know, when I arrived in Chicago, yeah, Carell, Steve Carell, and Steve Colbert and Amy Sedaris were like the seniors. You know, they were like doing their last goodbye show. I can't even imagine what that was like. There was definitely that hierarchy, and everyone knew who the geniuses were. Yeah, I mean, because right. they had been, you kind of got filtered through the system until you were on stage, right? And the people that were on stage were called from all these classes and and people. So you realize, oh, the people you're watching are the best people. Uh huh. And that, know, they were really some, good. And they were really good. Do you talk to Amy? Yeah, I mean, for the longest time, I you know, Amy was like, most people would mix us up. Yeah. Uh, probably, and she, I'm sure she fucking hated it because yeah. she was way more talented and successful than I was. And she was always like, you know, ahead of me, just doing everything that I wanted to do. Like on stage at Sex City, had her own sketch show. Right. Like writing and doing stuff. Um, I have not seen her in so long. Yeah. I see her books occasionally, but I don't know her what she does. Her books are so funny. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'd love to- She t- still intimidate, intimidates me a little bit. Yeah? In person, yeah. Well, she's one of those people who sort of got her own time zone. You know, like when you're around her, you're like in Amy land. Like, I really want to be friends with her yeah. really badly. Yeah. And I I think she wants to be friends with me, but I don't know, but I can't ever- I just, I'm too, it's just a, st- like, it's just a status thing. Like, she'll always be higher status. Isn't I that just, weird that that weird shit doesn't go away? No. That that feeling of like, hi, can you just like me? Can I remember, I remember Lauren Michael saying, is telling a story that like, George Harrison met Paul McCartney when, you know, I like Paul McCartney was in eighth grade. And yeah. George Harrison was in fifth grade. And right. never went away. Like, yeah. their entire adult lives. 
you know, George always did what Paul said. Like, I feel like that status, once it locks in, yeah. it never goes away. So, okay, so you go to Chicago, you're, yeah. you're, and Del Close is still alive? Del Close, and he was the guru at the time. How, how much longer was he alive? He was, oh, uh, I think I probably met him like in the last six or seven years of his life, maybe. Uh-huh. He was teaching still, and I took his classes. And he was, was he amazing? Yeah. You know, he, he was... He invented modern improv, kind of. Yeah, he's kind of like the most famous guy in comedy that the public, you know, that nobody really knows. But and he started uh, in the 60s with this group called The Committee. Yeah, right. With like Elaine May and Mike Nichols and all that. They're funny. Yeah. They've done, they, you know, that Mike Nichols did all right for himself. Yeah, he's doing pretty good. He's, yeah. he's a talented kid. Yeah, he is. Yeah. I think the, we're going to see more <laughs> from him. <laughs> <laughs> and then Dell was the one that was like the troublemaker. Oh. And he kind of stuck around and was the teacher while right. everyone else. And he had a lot of anger and resentment about the fact that he wasn't more famous. But he never left. He never left. And yeah. he was also yeah. a drug addict and, you know. And he was a super interesting guy. And just when you're like an impressionable student, you need that teacher that's like really cranky that everyone's afraid of and is very like iconic and he was that guy he was, like the genius yeah like you know all his contemporaries went on to big things but he stayed here yeah to, to simmer right. in his own juices and at the time it was very noble whereas like with some distance you were like why didn't Dell ever get it together sure yeah well you don't you I, I don't know if that like I do that too sometimes but thank god he didn't F- for sure and he was an, an awesome teacher and he and he really was a genius he really how, was. What, what, how did that manifest itself? Like, what would be an encounter that would well, make you go, holy what was, shit? Tina and I always joke about it because we took, Tina Fey and I took classes together with him. And, you know, we were like, this genius, well, here we go. And, you know, like impressionable 21-year-olds <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever. And he just, for like eight weeks, yeah. just sat in class and just complained. He'd just gotten false teeth. <laughs> yeah. And he just took his teeth in and out and just fucking complained about how much his teeth hurt. And we are like, this fucking old man, what the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> That's a genius. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he never laughed at anything. He never thought anything was funny. And then he'd just say one really amazing thing every oh, week. Oh, really? Yeah, that you never forget. Yeah. And he created the sense, he created this community of people who but felt people, like they belonged. They and, were hanging on his every word. Yeah. And, and they were just waiting for the genius. Yeah. Come. And they were like sitting at his feet. I once had this idea for a show called Living with the Genius, which was like <laughs> a bunch of young people who were at a group house. Mm, a, and there was this one dude there that was like 40 or 50 years old. And there's this myth built up around him, like he'd done this one thing, or like he's a genius. But you, like during the entire run of the series, he just says things like, whose milk is this? And, like, and everyone just, Yeah, exactly. That's Genius. a really funny idea. I know. I don't know what I, mm. I'm not in the sketch world. Yeah. So every once in a while I talk about it. It's a good idea. This one sketch I wrote. I don't have the, you know, it takes too much, too much Ugh, rejection involved in that world. I know. So you guys, you you did your renegade things. Are you and Ian and Matt and uh, Yeah, so then I met those guys. They were like the, they were like the Matt and Matt, uh, Matt Besser and Ian Roberts at the time and Adam McKay. And I've uh, talked to him. Yeah. I yep. listened to it. It was great. And, uh, and, uh, Neil Flynn, Ali Faranakian, and Miles Stroth, all Ali these guys. Faranakian. Yeah, you know Ali. I do. And they were all performing in this group called The Family, mm. which was like the, you know, it was uh, at the time in Chicago yeah. at that theater, at yeah. the Improv Olympic Theater. They were the top dogs. And okay. I watched them and I was like, okay, I want to. I want to be like them. It just amazes me that there's this process and this like it's actually a more effective way to weed out talent than 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 stand up because there's no one doing that. <laughs> yeah, no there, one stops. You, there really is no a thing like you, at some points you did get stopped. Yeah, like at some point someone was like, you can't 
come into this next level. Yeah, no, you can't do that with comics because they're like, I killed for seven people last night. I'm, yeah. I'm continually killing. Well, I could talk forever about the difference between, because when we would perform with stand-ups um, in the same, you know, remember, back then. I remember when that happened. Yeah. I mean, man, it was tough. I mean, because we were so uncool. I mean, we would like bring but look props. what's happened now. <laughs> I mean, look, the, everything's turned around. Amy. No, it hasn't. Though. Oh, no, no. It used to be Sketch the is coolest. still uncool. Like, that, that is so crazy. I think it... I, You're running show business. <laughs> you and that Tina lady have, have taken really? over all we of are? it. Great. Yes. <laughs> but, but But I just remember like lugging costumes and wigs and like fake blood and stupid fucking props and know, then you watch. guys like you putting out a cigarette and then like walking up on stage and talking about like yourself and me having to be like some character in the audience and it was so um hard to dig in and like i just want it's just like last night it happened at your theater i'm sure and you I, and you, by the way you hate you always hated when we would make you like we would always make you introduce us as someone else. I know. You hated it, and you would always sell us out. I, d- I did. Yes, you would always be I like just, introduce us as this group from Washington D.C. Like this, this because we're gonna do a bit where we yeah. pretend that we're like no. Christian singers, and you would go, "All right, these guys want me to introduce." Oh, them. I did not do that. Yes, you I'm would. I'm sorry, I couldn't even play along. <laughs> you hated it. But you like, hated well, it. okay. Well, last night I did my stand up at Death Ray, mm-hmm. and I was in the dressing room with Nick Kroll and a couple other people. And uh, Nick's like, uh, well, anyway, so I do my set and I come on and sure enough, I walk off and backstage, Nick is standing there with a blonde wig. <laughs> and I'm like, have a good time. See, see, you felt cooler than him. You have to admit it. I d- Look, I don't have the courage to do what you do. Uh, same. I don't have the courage to do well, what I you mean, do. that's really what it comes down to. I mean, like there's part of me, I'd love to, to sing and dance and wear hats. <laughs> but I'm just See, I don't know if it's gonna happen how you're, that, that's how you that's what you think I do you think I sing and dance and wear hats so I if is I that condescending to, yes <laughs> yes no I mean I wish I could sing and dance and wear hats but I meant like that in a, like a, no no I did not say that <laughs> like there's part of me that I, I'd like to be a, a song and dance man and, and I'd like to be able to wear a wig and, and like you know, do a funny voice no I, I mean I remember very specifically thinking like man what it would be like to get up on stage and just be me be myself right um, it's very scary and also there must be some relief in not having to um, I don't know just the whole rigmarole that but yeah to it. lose yourself in a, char- <clears throat> a character but the thing is is like I think that despite that you know throughout all your characters like you did some really funny I mean, you still do, but I mean, like, I remember them, like the Andy Richter sister thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that shit was hilarious, and the stuff you did on SNL. I mean, I see who you are in all your characters, so I mean, you cross a certain line. You're not one of those people that you're like, who is that person? But those people are great, too, like Fred Armisen. I'm not sure what's going on in there, but he's certainly a genius. Oh, my God. He is. You got to get him. He I is, did. I had him on the live one. He was so sweet, he's and he's so, so great. He is the funniest He's one of the most naturally funniest people I've and ever met. Inspired, like you mm-hmm. know, but but so subtle. Like he never, like it's just yeah. weird that the choices he makes. You're literally like, did he become that person? Yeah. Like uh, I, but he's one of those guys I look at. And I'm like, I, I'm constantly thinking, like, what's going on? In there? Yeah, right. And yeah. and I've seen him with other people because he's always joking around yeah. in a really subtle way. Yeah. And he's always ready to joke. Yeah. All the time, and I love it. But I, yeah. I, I see some people they don't know how to handle it. Right. But, it, you know, when we would 
perform in a, like a variety show, kind of like rebar. I was an asshole. Lounge, There's no doubt. You were an asshole. I, I, used, yeah. I mean, Matt you used are, to drive me nuts. I rem- I, well, you you two, I remember you guys getting in a fight. I don't know if you and Bester talked about this. I don't think you did, but I, don't think I remember I, you getting in a fight at Zach Galifianakis. He used, Zach used to have an apartment next to Luna. Right. Remember? Yes. Well, there was like a roof in the yeah, Lower East right, Side. We right. all used to go to after. And this shows. one you were dating Besser. Yeah. How long did that go on for? We dated for like four years. Yeah. We moved from Chicago to New York together as right. a couple and lived right. as a couple. Right. And, and started the UCB as yeah. you were a couple. And then, then broke up in, in while we were doing our sketch show. Was that bad? Yeah. Bad breakup. No, no, not a bad breakup. It was just like <sighs> so tough to work to work with someone. I couldn't imagine that. Yeah. Okay, so what happens? I yelled at him? Yeah. Well, you guys were yelling at each other because you like said something you just said some shitty comment on stage about our stupid bed or something. Oh and, come on! Yeah, about the whole. Yeah, bit? I, I felt like you hated us back then. Or I, 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 at the time, I thought you thought we were so uncool. I, well, I didn't. Even, <laughs> who was I to think cool? I just didn't understand. Like I had this stupid idea that you know that there were these camps. I mean, it wasn't just you that like there was stand up, and then there was the sketch thing. But that was true though. And then there was this performance art thing was that was even more difficult. You know, yes. Michael Portnoy, yes. you know, taking so, his penis out and putting it in pill jars. And, Laura D kind of falls under that. That's category. right. There yeah. was this and Reverend Jen, who I love though, because yes, Reverend Jen, too. I it is inspired. Mm-hmm, I you agree. know, there are definitely people that are inspired, but there are definitely people that were just. Kind of like yeah. a little nuts. Yeah. But I just felt like you know, I felt territorial. That's all. I We did too. We just didn't know how to express. And, you know, we came into New York when there were these like cool sketch groups. Like even among the sketch Who? groups, like the state. Oh, right. And there was a group called Live on Tape. Do you remember I remember that? them. Yeah. Mary Birdsong. And, oh, yeah. She's um, pretty. Uh, and they were like the genius. next thing. They got yeah. a big show, right. I think, on MTV. Right. And so even among our little subset. We were like, we felt like a bunch of Okies. And so I think what that did do, we turned inward and we like really took like, we just, I think we protected each other a lot. And we also like worked really hard because I, I think at the time we didn't feel like, I don't know. But you I, created, I can't speak a, for everyone, you but. also created a business that no one else did. Yeah. I mean, you created a school yeah. and, it's, and it's changed the face of show business. I never would have predicted, you know, 10, 15 years ago, it would be, at the time, we just wanted a place to perform where we didn't have to pay anybody. So you you thought of, well, you thought, well, we'll give classes. We're all qualified. It was all selfish motivation at the time. It was like, we're paying money to perform. Like, there were these places in New York. Do you remember, like, KGB Theater? It's probably still there. The Crane Theater. Yeah, yeah, upstairs. And there were good places. There were places in Tribeca, like Tribeca Lab. Right. It was hard to find a place that sketch worked in. Right. And there were really good theater owners, but most of them were awful. They were really, like, grouchy. And, yeah. And they were always telling us about we didn't what make we any doing money. wrong. And, we, and we'd pay them, yeah. and then we'd have no one in the audience, yeah. and we'd lose money. Right. So we started teaching classes to make money to pay our rent, and we thought, like, okay, if we find a way to rent, like, to take over a space enough that we can... Because, you know, all the guys were writing and everyone was, like, directing other shows and uh-huh. other groups. And we started to perform this place called Solo Arts in New York. Yeah, in kinda, I remember it. You had to walk up the stairs. like a six-floor walk Yeah, up. yeah. And it was a dance studio. Right. And we started programming stuff for them where basically our shows were, like, three, four, five nights a week. And we started realizing, oh, we got to try to get a space so we don't have to, you know, we're providing all the content. And, yeah. And we're not, and we're not making any money. Right. 
And then you got your space. Yeah. And, and then you we, got the school. We got this. We The school kind of came first. And then eventually we got the our first theater in 98. And when was the TV show on Comedy Central? At the same time. It was kind of so all that was like That was time. it. That was the, the big UCB wave. Oh, yeah. Big promotional. We, I remember I got, I got paid $5,000 a week yeah. to write it, be in it, and produce it. Yeah. And I was like, this is it. I made it. Yeah. That's the best thing that'll ever happen to me. And it was the hardest I've ever worked before or since by far. But it was so it's amazing that now, I mean, UCB is the place. I mean, it's like there's it's sort of a it's it's like stand up in terms of what it is does not and I say this to people who who come from UCB and who are sketch people, it teaches people how to perform, write and work with other people. It's it that doesn't happen in stand stand ups are like these fucked up lone wolves. Who are unmanageable, but you guys, you know, it's like everybody's so nice. When I'm at the UCB and there's a, I'm like, where's he? What, what's going on? You, what? Everyone likes each other here. This is bullshit. We're all having a good time. What kind of show business is this? Now, what was I yelling at Matt about? You were yelling at him about he because I think it was we used to we did this bit one time where where Matt would pretend he was a guy who was going to sing a song about somebody's day. Mm-hmm. And he talk, and he picked someone from the audience, and I told him that I had an abortion, and he yeah. used to have to sing a song about abortion or yeah. something. And I think he like blew the bit before we even did it or something. Oh, come on. I was that I, big a dick. I think I think maybe he didn't blow it. Maybe I'm exaggerating, but it was something. And I remember you and Bess are getting into it. Um, we always rubbed each other the wrong way. I know. We're I okay now. I know. Well, you guys are more similar than that. You no, are. I know. Of course, Just that's similar, always course. the case. Yeah, and um, he uh, and Besser was, I got to say, in those early years, the one that told us we're gonna do this like like he 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 was the he was the visionary he was the dreamer he was yeah. the one that talked about theaters and schools and, yeah. and shows in a way that i don't think i know i didn't even i couldn't yeah. even picture at the time yeah he dragged us along in, yeah. in many ways for yeah. so many years and and at the time because i was the only girl like you just had to fend off getting picked apart mm-hmm. that's what happened with those big sketch groups i think sometimes people were doing other jobs and sure. so you had to kind of right uh, people leaving spinning off yeah you guys were just just getting a job i mean right. it wasn't like fame yeah yeah it was yeah. just like do you want to you know try to do this you know well you were always like it, it, i remember early on when you know before the show and maybe a little after the show everybody talked about you a lot as this sort of like this is the funniest person that nobody knows you know what I mean? That you, I mean, I remember that there was a lot of heat around you. Now you guys came to, you were in New York long before Tina came with uh, yeah, I Rachel. came in ninety three, and, and then, then Dratch and Faye showed Dratch up. Dratch and Faye showed up uh, later because Tina got hired, I think. In gosh, I don't remember, but but you, there was a lot of buzz around you, and you're always really fucking funny. And I can't believe that I was ever mean to you personally because I always thought you were really fucking funny. You were never mean to me personally because I always had a lot of respect for what you were doing, and I remember you definitely stood out. So when was the like outside of the the UCB show uh, on Comedy Central? What was the big break? I mean, when did that happen? Well, you started doing sketches on Conan. Well, you know. There was one moment, I, I don't, I just, I always was curious if you were there. Do you remember, there was a moment, a night in New York in like 90, maybe, maybe it was 96, 97. Oof. Yeah. Okay, where I'll try. Luna Lounge where, you know, everyone used to host a week yeah. of it and we hosted it. It was a big deal to host it. We were like really excited. Right. And we got everyone in the audience high. Yeah. Do you remember that? I kind of do Everyone who that. performed was high. And then we walked outside and Cynthia True, who yeah. was a New York, uh, uh, um, what was writer, the, what's the, she, she used to write for the uh, for, Time Out. Or, yeah, Time Out. Yeah, 
She did a thing where she walked down the street naked yeah. to raise money for her rent. Yeah. And it was like, I just remember it being like this New York moment where I, th- even then, I was yeah. very, and Janine, I remember Jean Garofalo like running up to her and offering her money, like, don't do it. You don't have to do it. Yeah. Because <laughs> Janine was like totally neurotic yeah, yeah, yeah. about it. And uh, anyway, I just remember that being a like the quintessential, like for me. Melding of, of drugs, Lower East Side Dr- performance drugs, art. Drugs, nudity. Yeah, yes. sketch. Uh, and every, yes. that was it. That it was all it. came together. It's, it's like, it's been this downhill is the pinnacle ever since. <laughs> of, of what the Lower East Side meant. <laughs> yeah. 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 I get that. Mm-hmm. So where? how did Lauren find you? So yeah, um, Tina and, and Dratch and yeah. Horatio Sands right. started working at SNL. And then I think, you know, they just told Lauren about me. And, yeah. um and Adam was there, okay? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Adam was the first guy of uh, UCB to kind of leave mm-hmm. and go get a real job. And, and he was always the one that... He certainly did all right for himself. Yeah, he's doing pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was always like, he. Yeah. he's like, I never, I always predicted huge success for him. Like, it was all, he was always going to be successful. Really? In, in, in my mind. Yeah, no one ever said that about me. They, they yeah. always said, like, you know, he's going to, it's going to be a struggle for him because... <laughs> He's got a lot of problems. <laughs> I, just wish, they, I was always one of those, he's so talented, but I don't know if he's going <laughs> to. Why isn't it working out for that guy? <laughs> yeah. Brian P. Sam was in here yesterday. Dave Becky didn't say that. Dave Becky never said that. To who? You? About you. Oh, Dave, no. You no. Were, you were Dave Becky's yeah. number yeah. one. Oh, come on. Yes, you were. For you were his biggest time. client. Well, that was a long time ago. Well, Maybe a, that was no. He was always very supportive, and he always wished the best for me. I just don't think I had whatever. We don't need to talk about. Okay, me. okay, okay. And that's the first. I want I that know, to be I'm marked kind of, here on this show that Mark Marin just said we don't need to talk about me. Amy no, Power brought I'd it like out to of me. Listen to this podcast because I like to hear you talk about. Well, you. I was one of those guys where it was like everybody assumed that I had a certain thing, and they'd all make up what that thing was. Like you know, he's got mm-hmm. an attitude. He's uh, you know, he's a little angry. He's a, like they all had this idea what I was, but I never quite fit into them completely. So when I'd show up, I was always too much or too little or too. It was just not quite right until I do a show in my garage. Right. You know, and Becky, yeah. yeah, he loved me and, and he was great with me, but there just gets to be a point where, you know, they try with you over and over again and you don't realize this about representation because I think your trajectory was different where it becomes like a relationship. Yeah. Like after a while, you just, it's like, I can't, I don't know why it hasn't happened with this guy yet. And then they just like, there's this weird kind of like, uh, uh, I, I have to assume that you begin to represent, you know, their failure as well, even though they didn't try anyway. So, mm, mm-hmm. so that it becomes a little weird like that. It's, it's like, like first wife syndrome. Kinda, you yeah. know, kinda like that. But, um, but okay, so okay. you you do SNL. So that yeah, so then I did I started SNL in two thousand one. Now, like when you said this thing about pregnant women, and you said this about objectification, and then you know Tina's book just came out, and I mm-hmm. heard Janine on NPR talking about Tina, and 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 you guys work together, and I've had this conversation before with women uh, around comedy. Um, and I don't want to trivialize it or, or or minimize things, but it's not easy for anybody in comedy. No. But what is the perception of women? Why do you, you know, what? how do you feel, where do you stand with being a woman in well, comedy? Well, I will say that, I want to clarify that I was never, never felt sexualized. Like I was, I wasn't some like hot number. No, in no, the I comedy know you scene. Yeah. You know, uh, the one, the, the only, the difference, only difference I see so far, like as of today, is that we always just kind of get compared. That's, that's the difference 
just in right. Terms and of I've like, got some criticism about talking about this in the way is like funny people are funny people. Why do you have to draw this line? Right. I just yeah. don't see it as much with right. guys. That that's that other other than that, I feel like especially today that that like the opportunities are equal if you know I, I don't feel any sense that there's any place that I'm not allowed to go right. if I if I want to do it right the only thing is just like the media likes to kind of compare us all to kind of say who they like more in terms of the 10 people they're thinking about right and we're all so different right well it's interesting too that i think when in regular acting and also in most other you know show business professions the the way that a woman's career goes you know a lot of times is relative to how they look yeah and and how they can continue to be cast whereas like when you're funny if you continue to be funny you sort of stay there i mean like between you and tina and and uh like maria bamford's a genius and you really think about you know some of these uh, some women who had these long careers um you can go a lot further than if you're just a straight actor yeah and yeah. also like maria and tina and sarah and, and others like you just keep creating your own stuff which right. most people have to do anyway it has nothing to do with whether or not you're a woman or not like most people have to you have to create your own opportunity it's very rare that someone kind of casts you in this perfect thing and they give you this amazing script and they're like i right. wrote this for you like right. it's very rare you have to generate yeah. Are you and Tina pretty good friends? Yeah. I mean, we've been friends for ever. It's it's very odd when 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 you guys end up on TV, you know, just people I know in general. I know. Like like I don't like I just assume like I can't talk to those guys. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna get a hold of Amy. I mean it's like I'm gonna What? Are you crazy? I know it's crazy. That's so right? weird. I know I'm crazy. Yeah, that's weird. But, but but I will say this right this moment like the water level like our the the amount of people we know yeah. and who are famous. Yeah. I don't think it'll ever be this way again. Like I feel like I know a lot and this is going to sound so douchey but yeah. it's real which is the people that I kind of came up with yeah. I they're all working now. Yeah. And it's like it, we're all we're all going to half of us will stop working. Like, really? I, I just feel like this is the highest level oh, of, okay. so we have of, everybody of working. people that I actually know and people that are working right. and famous. Does that well, make any well, sense? Then, but then there's all, I mean, think about all the dozens of people that you know you run into. You're like, I don't know if you remember me, but I was like in the group before you mm-hmm. in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, hey. You know, like there's a lot of people that didn't you know make the cut. Right. And that's a little intense. But maybe they will, I don't know, 10, 5, yeah. 2 years. I don't know. Maybe, maybe if they're lucky, they'll get away from it completely. <laughs> Find something to do with There are a few people that are like really making, doing something that I am like, I can't believe. How did that happen? There's very few people. Like, oh, like, you what know, do you that mean? I'm like, well, those lucky, like, they're so oh, yeah. lucky. You well, know, I, one thing I've learned from doing this show and also just being in the business as a while, a while is that the people that succeed, they deliver. They work hard right, and right. they deliver. I mean, if they're, if they don't have those, that capacity for work and continuing to generate, they don't last that long. Yeah, you know, they're sort of like, what happened to that guy? No, oh, he did that one season. I don't know. No one's seen him. We, you know, right? But it's okay. So now, Parks and Recreation is very funny. I feel like I haven't been funny in this at all. Are you supposed to be? I don't know. I don't I, want you to leave. Do you want to? Okay. Do you want to do a uh, put no. on a hat and dance? <laughs> so demeaning how you talk about what I do. It's disgusting. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Wasn't there a time where you wore hats and maybe yes, a wig? Yes, and... I'm sure we wore wigs on top of hats. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, that was that, a bit. That was probably the whole angle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the bit was that we had hair growing out of our hats. I'm sure that was the sketch that we did. Uh, I don't, I'm not, <laughs> While you I'm guys so... were in skin, wearing head skinny ties and yeah. smoking. And... Ugh. I'm not. I'm so not trying to be condescending. No, I have a I lot of respect not. for I what you do. I know you're not. And I like, um, like, I like your show. 
and it's very funny. Thank you. And I and I do have some questions about okay. it. That you know, in the first season, like it seemed that you guys were using the model of the office, and there was sort of a sense of that, you know, camera wise, and also like your your role mm-hmm. as sort of the, a Corel character. But yeah. now all of a sudden, the second season, like your what makes you funny is I think different than the first season. Is that true? Yeah. Like like now you in, as opposed to just being sort of um, kind of goofy, you're like this person that's completely focused. And, and noble in all her pursuits and the comedy comes from that part of the personality but that really wasn't the way the first season was well you know we only did six episodes okay our first season so how we, did that character evolve though was that you I mean did you guys decide that? it was kind of a group we we shot six episodes all at once and none yeah. of them had aired yet so yeah. then they started to air yeah and um I, I don't know I, I I don't I don't feel like she got totally different right but, but I think we kind of started to um it's it's different with um you ever watch the show The Comeback, Lisa Kudrow? It's a great show. I watched a few of yeah, them. Yeah, it's really yeah, good. Yeah. But it's there is a little gender politics or something like it's a little bit harder to be it's easier to be meaner to a, a character that Corel plays than it than it was to be mean, mean to, to me. Mean to you, yeah. And nobody was wanting to be mean to anybody. They were just wanting to be funny. But it was reading sometimes like I was like a bit of a punching bag. And it wasn't, I think everyone just kind of self-corrected that a little bit. But it was small changes. Like we never had a moment where we were like, this has to like. But I mean, When you're... you bring up season one, I get the sweats because I think about how scared I was to be compared to him in any way. And all we were, was, we were just totally compared to them in the office in, in every way. And it was like, he, she's not as funny. She's... But like, it's sort of the same machine, right? I mean, didn't... Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it was Greg Daniels yeah. and Mike Scher. And yeah. And, but, you know, again, like I, it was... Uh, but you're just as funny as Steve Carell. You're just your own thing. I mean, I I'm not as funny as Steve Carell. No, he, he that guy is so funny. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I got to right. say. All right. Again, he was yeah. the senior when I was a freshman. But, um, but anyway, yes. So we switched, we, 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 Tinkered with it a little bit in season two, I think, and 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 also I think just the cast, like everybody started to actually know the characters. But also there's this, um, like the the whole you know playing earnestness because I think yeah. that's you know Steve does that too. Yeah, I mean that like you know he's he's playing it very he's very earnest about who yes. he is, and I think that the more you elevate that, the more comedy comes out of it. Are you like do you make those kind of decisions? Well, I liked the fact that we got to play like real moments like yeah. there was there's not a lot of cool cool police on that show like there's not a lot of um you just people aren't afraid of like genuine moments which i kind of got i was excited to do because coming from sketch it was so temporary yeah and and disposable so you let, letting emotions sit there yeah. like that well, acting even, yeah just acting right that's what it's called yeah. <laughs> oh. but it's true but it was like oh that's what it is where you get to just play the moments in between you don't have to stress about um filling in well there was that arc with louis that was some of that oh, was, that was pretty so great. funny he was so great yeah and he, louis is a great actor well yeah he he knows how to sit there you know yeah. kind of like there's something about louis not talking that's very awkward and like he'll just amplify the awkwardness of any situation and that makes it really funny he and he put on um he was played a cop and he loved being in the uniform he, he loved it he <laughs> wore it all day long and he and he looked it looked so natural on him really? yeah like he really looks like a cop <laughs> and he and he really liked it like yeah. he liked everything about it <laughs> and uh, that was i think he enjoyed it but he was you know doing his show at the time and it was nice enough to come and do it but um i always felt like um 
I would have chemistry with Louis. I always liked Louis. I mean, I, I think he's, you know, yeah, amazing. But I always liked him. Um, I liked him off stage a lot too. Yeah, like I liked. Yeah, he's very like, thoughtful. Yeah. kind of intense. You he's, know, thoughtful. I think he's guy, comfortable yeah. around women. Well, he grew up with a lot of sisters. Yeah. Yeah, so that helps. Yeah, I always felt very like he was the only man in his house. Yeah. I mean, like, he, I think he's got two sisters and his mother. Mm-hmm. And he was the guy. Some guys are like that where you can see where they're like, you're okay. And then, uh, but they, but with men, it's a little trickier. Yeah. I don't know if that Louis is like that, but I always felt like very comfortable around Louis. Right. What do you mean with men looking at the same way? Like women comfortable around men or? or well, men? you know how, well, I guess I mean, this is like just what? human nature, but like, you know, how you meet some women yeah. and uh, you can tell that they really, um, they really identify with guys, and they and they are just trickier with other women. Right. Sometimes, guy, the version of that for right. guys is it. like, yes, it. mothers and sisters, and like, okay, I, I'm gonna like, you know, at the at the worst, be patronizing to you. At yeah. the best, be very tender yeah. and connected to you. Yeah. But when a guy comes around, that it's gonna get tricky. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I, I do. Don't know. No, I do. I I'm do. not classifying Louis in, in that category. I'm just saying that that I always felt very comfortable with him, so I thought we would work well together. And he did. It was good. Uh, the first movie I ever did, he did like a short film, and I did like, I was woman sprayed with hose was the name of my character. And he In sprayed. his movie? Yeah. And I, oh, I think, uh, which, I wonder which movie was it? It was that? like called, t- uh, t- maybe Tomorrow Night. Tomorrow Night, mm-hmm. sure. Like I, I think, uh, I, I wasn't, I didn't get to be in that movie. Did you do any of his movies? I got cut out of two of them. <laughs> Louis, I listened to your you guys' interview; it was awesome. Yeah, Louis does this thing where he's like, he has he had me one time. He had to I, I, for tomorrow night. Was it tomorrow night? That was the one with Chuck Squire, the photographer yeah. one. No, I, I did a, a scene in another one, Caesar Salad. Oh right, okay. Where he literally got me out at like seven or eight in the morning, and we went to uh, Long Brand, or Long Beach, mm-hmm. in, uh, or whatever the beach was down in Brooklyn, and uh, it was freezing. And he had me wear this weird suede Indian <laughs> shirt that I had. And then he put a necklace of small Tide boxes around my neck. And he he wanted me to go in the water. And I did that. I, I went into the water. And uh, and then there was some other scene. I think the scene was me holding a, a megaphone, directing the water, directing the waves. Like, all right, bring it in. <laughs> all right, go on out. And then I go into the water, and this took all day, and I think I got sick from it. And he cut it out. He's he, like the thing about Louis is like he said that didn't fit in the movie. I'm like, how do you decide? <laughs> you you know what I mean? Like what what fits in your movies? How did that? <sighs> so yeah, <laughs> and like sometimes I just think he had me do it because he could do yeah, it. Yeah, there is no film in the camera or anything. Yeah, yeah it's just yeah. like I can make Mark do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But you get along with everybody over there? Yeah, I love everybody over there. They're really great. I knew a lot of people before um, Aziz. Yeah. Uh, oh, Aziz I'm talking about yeah. right now. Yeah, good. Aziz and I knew, thank God. I yeah. knew Aziz is working, was yeah. a huge fan in Aubrey Plaza. I yeah. knew from UCB, she's great. Yeah. And, um, you know, I Adam Scott, who's on the show, I was a huge fan of his work. And, um, and, uh, and Nick Offerman, I knew. Um, and was a big fan but Pratt Chris Pratt was one of those um, times where he auditioned and you know I was sitting in on the auditions and he just got it like yeah. and I learned a lot from sitting in on those auditions about how badly I had auditioned like I, all I thought about if it makes anyone feel any, actors feel any better when yeah. you're auditioning in front of another actor 
I, at least for me, all I did was think about how badly I had auditioned other times and how, you know, I because I used to do this thing where I would just not underprepare. Yeah. Because I didn't want to get caught caring right. or trying. So I would have horrible auditions where yeah. I'd not know my lines and be sweaty. And I remember auditioning for um Coen Brothers movie. And I was so nervous that I just didn't prepare. Yeah. So I just went in there like like I was a hot no shit. No choices, no nothing. No, like I just went in there like, guys, like. like <laughs> it's me, like, it's yeah. Amy. Like, or not yeah. even that, but just like that thing, like, look, I'm not going to be stupid and like try. <laughs> like, give it to me or not. Like, and they were like, get out of here. Like, who are you and leave? <laughs> and I remember thinking, oh, that's bad. So, in, but to watch people who make definitive choices. Yeah, and, and Pratt came in. He was just a guy who was just so funny yeah and super he just you just don't want to feel nervous i said that the other night i said that guy's so fucking funny because yeah. like he like he's he's another guy with his own time zone and you know he yeah. did, and he uh even when you watch it without sound i was on a plane mm -hmm. this is the other day and i'm sitting next to a dude and he's watching it on the screen and you just watch him and he's like out there i mean yeah he's like, he's, he's like very natural there's yeah. never anything fake that yeah he's really He's a good actor. Where did he come from? He's just an actor guy. Yeah, he has a crazy story. Um, you should talk to. He should tell it. But he was like living in Hawaii, selling knives door to door, and then he met Ray Dong, Chong. Ray Don Chong. Uh -huh. She was like, "You should take an acting class." And then he went to L.A. It was like one of those. Like, oh really? Mm -hmm, like, and all of a sudden he's like on Everwood. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like one it. of those. Yeah, one of those great. Which, which yeah. is that bat path I, I never did. Like I never took acting classes and then but you, you moved were, to LA. I never did pilot season and all but, that. But stuff. how is that? But it's like what you did in a sense, you're constantly working with other people to get laughs. I guess the difference is like what you're saying is that you're acting, you're not trying to get that laugh. On a good day. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could say that happens all the time, but on a good day. But most times, uh, you know, no. Like most times, I just hate the sound of my own voice coming in. You know? Really? Yeah, of course. Uh. Don't, I mean, I you know, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like, doesn't everyone just feel like a fraud? Yeah, I, I used to. Like, like a measure of success, it, do, it doesn't go away. It's mm. not like you're like, you know what, I got it now. Like I like I, like they're right and I'm right. But you know you can be fucking funny. Okay, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but you still like I mean, you've done big things. I can't like when I think about like you know appearing even as a presenter on a, right. a Grammys yeah. or or even being on SNL that like I would comp I would make myself crazy yeah. before I got on that stage. I mean you've you've at least got that. That do you? I mean, you're not the kind of person like when you're on SNL, sitting backstage, going, "Oh God, I can't." I mean, of course, you, of course, the whole time I was like, "This is terrible. This is bad. Uh, I'm not funny. This isn't good." Really? Yes. That's fucking horrible. But like presenting it like a big thing, the one thing you and you would feel this way too is you look around and there's famous people and then there's funny people yeah. and you find the funny people and you're like, "I just uh, want to make that person oh, laugh." Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, you yeah. don't care about the other. Yeah, people. yeah, because. You know, and they don't care about you. They don't. You're no, just a no. Puppet. They you're think just you're. They think what you clown. do is just adorable. Yeah, <laughs> condescending. Yes. So how does how is it like being married to another clown? It's good. It's um. Because he's really funny. He's so funny. How'd you guys meet? Why? I mean, we you... met. Uh, we were. Uh, um, I was actually like on a date with his with a friend of his. Yeah. And uh, we but we were kind of. You know, not really. It wasn't really working. And uh -huh. I met him, and I just remember thinking, like, that guy is, I just, 
he was really holding court. Yeah. And you know, he had, he was newly sober. Yeah. And, Divorced, and uh-huh. I was like, uh, he just felt like a man. He's broken and perfect. Yeah, was, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he was broken down. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, Pure. Swooped in. Yeah, yeah. And you get along good. Yeah. Is it? We com- get along was great. there any uh, sense of competition ever? No, but it is tough to like. Like during fights, there's, there's never like. No. you're the one with the show. No, but it is hard to like the act. Like I think about how it must be nice. For like the there's some the comedy guys that have wives yeah. that I, like I feel sometimes I feel bad that he doesn't necessarily get one of those wives that like just you know <laughs> you're a genius you're crazy yeah 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 and yeah, like, yeah. That's, and home. then also it's like I'll be home yeah. like I'm here yeah. like I'm yeah. I'll take the kids you go be a movie star yeah like he doesn't get that no um what uh, does he get he gets. <laughs> <laughs> What does he get? <laughs> well, that's a good question. What? It's yeah. my turn. That guy. Yeah, a lot of it's like a lot, a lot of scheduling. Oh yeah, like yeah a yeah. lot of that. yeah, yeah. That's, that's the only time when it gets tricky when it's like, well, I have to do this. Well, I have to do this. Yeah. Well, which one's more important? So you just leave the kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it, both yeah. both ways the kids suffer. <laughs> <laughs> well, as long as you know that, yeah. that's good. They're like, yeah, this is about mom and daddy. Either way, it's about <laughs> you mom guys and are gonna daddy. have to fend for yeah. yourselves. You know, he had a, he's he had a different. Very different. Like he talks about how he wonders how his path would have been different if he kind of came through the improv. How, where did he, he come? He through? did like, you know, Stella Adler, oh, theater, real acting, acting, yeah, yeah. acting, and oh, then yeah. moved to New York when he was like nineteen from Canada and was uh-huh. like auditioning for stuff and did like twelve pilots and uh-huh. you know always out here doing stuff and he like really worked hard. It took him a while, mm-hmm. right? Like he hammered away. Yeah, like he when we got married. Uh, I started um, like a week later. I started SNL, and he started Arrested Development. That oh yeah, was in you know, eleven years ago. So that was that was his. You know, he we were both late bloomers. Yeah, but you did well. That's good. Yeah, because you were ready. I guess right. Sure. I don't know. Now, okay, like before we go, like some Lauren Michaels wisdom. Do you yeah. have any good stories? Well, what is it? I know you've told to, told this story, but you just one. I've only met him once. I know. And he just was. <sighs> You hated it. No, I didn't hate it. He just, I think he really just wanted to teach me a lesson. Mm-hmm. I don't think. But were you close, you were close to doing Update, right? Well, I mean, that was the talk. Yeah. You know, but then like I'd heard other versions, like, you know, he was just using me to pressure Norm or mm-hmm. you know, whatever, but he made me jump through a lot of hoops and it was all very exciting. But I'd seem as I get older, you know, like I read that book about, uh, you know, the, 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 the war for late night about the Conan O'Brien yeah. thing. And, and he really is, you know, ha- he appears in there occasionally and it's very Buddha-like. Yeah. You know, like he's very set. He's Lorne Michaels, but he seemed m- more human to me in that book. I see. I have a very human relationship. With yeah. Him, you know? Yeah. His relationship, I always had a theory that he brought out a lot of daddy issues uh-huh. in people. Uh-huh. So for everybody, for everybody, yeah. And the way you kind of reacted to him—not always, but was sometimes indicative of how you had to deal with your own father. Uh huh. Because there would be—I would see things that, to me, in you know, subjectively, a moment that I didn't—that didn't trigger me in the same way I saw it trigger trigger other people. <sighs> yeah. You know. Yeah. But um, he is a king of the kingdom. You know, that is a kingdom of which he is king. Yeah. And that doesn't really happen very much anymore where you get to see a king in his kingdom, really. But um, Talking to his subjects. Talking to his subjects, yeah. Yeah. And he likes it. Yes. And I I liked it, too. 
I liked it. The it, attention. I yeah. liked the attention, and I also just found him to be very fair. Yeah. At the end of the day. In in the sense of what? I thought he was fair. Um, and again, this is my experience. I know everyone's had many different. Yeah. But I found him very fair in his creative decisions. Like I always thought he was, you know, funny and smart and things that were funny and so like he fought for that he was a very lo- i think he's a very loyal person uh-huh to people he liked yes yeah yeah i mean hater told the story that will yeah, aired already after this uh, by the time we put this up about how they were doing this sketch that was kind of weird and it was his first big sketch and it, you know and uh it was uh, it was this he played vincent price and mm-hmm. i can't remember what the sketch was mm-hmm. but but Hader was nervous going in to do his Vincent Price, and apparently right before he went on, Lauren said, why now? <laughs> <laughs> Which is sort of brilliant, but completely undermining. Yes. Yeah. And I, no, the, the, what a terrible thing to hear, right? Yeah. Sketch. And, yeah. And it kind of fucked with him completely. Yeah. But I think that he has, his intuition must be pretty amazing. I mean, were there moments where he would direct you or make suggestions and it would just completely make you insecure? Not insecure, but I there would be times where, like, I, I can remember one time we were doing a bit, uh, you know, he was very helpful to me when I started doing an update because I was very nervous because I had never done stand-up. Uh-huh. And I hadn't, I didn't have, I, I was very, very bad the first couple of years of update when I was doing a teen. I was all over the place. I didn't know how to deliver a joke. I didn't know how to deliver it into a camera. I just didn't know how to do it. And I was because your instincts were more physical. Or? Yeah, I was just like everything was imprecise and yeah. like charactery, and I was like just, just trying to like float on my like hoping my enthusiasm and charm would you know get you cover, by cover the fact that I was blowing the punchline every time. And he he would talk about how like you know you have to kind of create a character in a way on update, even though you say your name, you're kind of like this character. And so from the beginning when I was doing Tina was like the serious one and I was like the you know and and I remember a moment where we were like in his office and we were going over a bit and Mick Jagger was going to be on for something he's promoting something or maybe they were the musical guests and he was pitching an idea um about doing something with him and he was and it was something came about like some idea like that Mick proposed a three-way or something Uh something, I forget what it was with you and Tina yeah and like Tina was like you know Tina would be like no and I would be into it and I yeah. remember thinking and I was like you know that I would never fuck old Mick Jagger like you know that he, like it was it was a disconnect a little bit of you like, said that to Lauren yeah yeah and I at the time I'm like oh this might be kind of personally insulting but it was that thing of like oh that that's one thing that we disconnected and I was like oh I'm not I Amy Poehler I'm not attracted to now Mick Jagger yeah um like the idea of that still him still being sexy yeah that it that, wasn't gonna fly yeah and what did Lauren say he, he, he didn't yeah. care I don't know my experience with him was all I felt like I could be very honest with him and I think he felt like he could depend on me and I liked that feeling I feel like I think when there were like in that show it, when you have those super scary times and if you do it right you pull it through then suddenly you get more responsibility and you feel like a like a a good soldier, yeah. And I liked that feeling. What's I, a super scary time? Live, um, 
someone comes up to you and says, you know, like, okay, uh, this scene's been cut. We only have 15 seconds, so you need to say this now. Right. And, you know, or, you know, I remember, like, Britney Spears was the host, and suddenly, like, two minutes, three minutes before air, she didn't want to do this sketch. She just flaked out. Freaked out, yeah. And it's like, this, you're you're doing it now. (laughs) And you're like, okay. And you realize you didn't pay attention to it. You didn't really listen to it and read through, and you're on skis with Dan Aykroyd. (laughs) And you're pretending to ski down a hill and you're like, hey, and you're just like sweating. And you're reading cue cards? Yeah, and you're reading cue cards yeah. of a scene that you didn't even pay attention to what it was blocking. Yeah. And, that, and if you pull that off, yeah. uh, you know, you, yeah. you you feel like a million bucks. Sure. And, and But Lauren notices. And Lauren notices. Yeah. And then you feel like, and I, I loved that, like that feeling of, uh, it's the Lauren. closest thing you have to feeling like an athlete. Oh, okay. Like it's the closest thing I'll ever I thought ever you were going to say like that Lauren like. Oh, made... but yeah. But but I didn't care. People that cared a lot about his approval never got it. Right. Oh, really? I mean. Yeah, that makes sense. Sure. There were people that were that. like, there were people that were like, he never told me I did a good job. And I remember thinking like, well, I don't, like, who tells? Yeah, yeah. Like I, I. I don't know. Well, but, I'm, I'm, but, I'm over talking, but I guess no. But there, that plays into that whole idea that, like, if he's very sensitive to you know his place in that world, which he is, it's his world, and that there are these daddy issues to resolve. If they, it, I think that what you're saying is that by by being that character, this sort of stern but not you know emotionally invested, but mm-hmm. very judgmental, that people will strive to. To, to seek that approval, yeah. but uh, it's it's never going to come in that it's way. It's never going to come. I mean, got, it's almost like he's teaching you how to parent yourself. Yes, that's right. exactly right. It was like, don't expect me to tell you right. what was good and don't expect me to uh, make you feel better when it was bad. Right. And we'll be fine. I mean, he did. he's notorious for not hiring or firing anybody in person. Like, he doesn't tell you you're hired. Yeah. And he doesn't tell you you're fired. Sure. Now, it makes sense. A lot of people don't like to say you're fired in person. Sure. But it would it's kind of weird that he doesn't give himself the pleasure of saying you're hired mm-hmm. too. But you don't get, you know, you've everything is uh, like sideways. Uh-huh. And you either take it personally or you don't. Right. Do you talk to him now? Yeah. Oh, you do? Yeah. <laughs> we're you know, we're we're friends. Oh yeah? Yeah. Like he'll call and like, "Hello." <laughs> he's like, "Hello." Hello. <laughs> he's like he's like, "Are you watching Jersey Shore? Loving this season?" <laughs> I think that Snooki's really made a change. No, no, he um, does. Not. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I wanted that to be true. <laughs> no, no, but um, but uh, I mean, I still like to. Ta- I think he gives good advice. Yeah, long-winded advice, but good advice. Like he's the kind of guy. If you say, "Should I move?" You know, should I buy a house? Yeah. He's had this crazy life. I don't know. I like his advice, but so does he? Do you? Does he? give you advice about um parks and rec has he yes oh yeah in terms of your performance mm-hmm. in general mm-hmm. i don't think he really watches it but you know like I, what like, did he say you know that kind of thing that like um like buddha like people say which is not really anything right but they made like they end up saying nothing and you're like yes that's oh. it you know what i mean but yeah. that thing yeah, of yeah. like at the end of the day, it's you, and that's what you need to remember. It's you there, and you're doing your thing, yeah. and there is where you're supposed to be. Yeah. And you're like, yes. Finally. And then you walk in, like, wait a minute, what the fuck are you talking about? I think it's just a, it, he's, it's just an approval thing in a way. I think it is. Mm-hmm. And also, I, he's had to 
I have to say, having had the experience of up close at SNL, there's so many fires to put out, and there's so many personalities and people with real, you know, there's like the neuroses of the host, and there's the cast, and everybody, and he doesn't always get it right, but the the history of personalities that he's yeah. had to manage is right. really, really interesting, and I think um, he's really good at getting what he wants. Like it's just it's fascinating to watch when someone's like, "I'm not going to do that sketch." Uh-huh. And he's like, "No, I know you're not." And when you do it, it will be fine. <laughs> <laughs> and the person's like, "No, I, I know, but I'm not going to do it." And he's like, "You're not doing it, nor should you." But I think when you find yourself doing it, you're going to in this end of doing it. <laughs> it's amazing. He's incredibly persuasive, and getting people to do what he wants. It's uh-huh. so. I think it's, it, his sensitivity to the type of. You know, insecurity and insanity that performers are. I mean, especially comedic performers. Oh, like yeah. for him to to sort of reign over you know, like that range of personalities that he has, which are performers, mm-hmm. and to know how to uh, sort of work them uh, is it. There, it's it's not. Um, I see how it could be misinterpreted as manipulative or weird or yeah. evil in a way, but but he knows what he's doing. I mean, no one has had to deal with such a history of insanity right. as that guy. And it is. A family. It feels like it. Some people don't feel like they ever belonged in it. It's like you Did know, they everybody's stay in it, experience. I mean, I would think that the people that stayed the longest must have felt like they belonged in it. Yeah, like you know, I you know when I talk to other people, their experience, and it also the show has had such different. Do you guys have reunions? Like, are there... well, it's weird though when you meet a person who was on SNL. That's all we talk about. Oh, really? You know, like so I just yeah. saw who did I just see Kevin Neal in the other day. Uh-huh. That's all we talk about. It's like a weird. Um, it's a very unique experience. It's yeah. like astronauts. There's, yeah. a, there's not that many of them. <laughs> right. That's someone's right. joke. I can't. Or is it a joke? It's just a reality yeah. that it's a small club. But I can see if you had a brief meeting with him and you felt like perhaps you were being used as a pawn, you were probably right. Right. Well, I, I didn't think that till afterwards, but oh. I do think I was being because someone told me that. Oh. But I do think I was being schooled somehow. Yeah. And and that you know that whatever he was looking for, that whatever shot I had at it when he did that sort of probe of me, he didn't see it. Mm. And I felt that, like you know, he's like, I need to look in your eyes for a minute. Mm. You know, like so I'm doing that thing. And I, you know, and I, I think that he just didn't see what he was looking for. I bet he had made his decision before, before your yeah, meeting. Sure. Then why do you make me wait three hours? Yeah, that's a weird, like old school, like Hollywood thing that's still stuck around. Yeah, I was waiting in that dressing room for like two hours by myself, and then Tracy Morgan showed up. Right. And his hair. All I remember about Tracy is that his his afro was perfect. <laughs> like I. I what I, makes a perfect afro? It's symmetry. Well, no, it was it was shiny. Mm-hmm. Like you know, it, you know, he yeah. just you know he was, he was ready. He was ready. He was you know, ready. He, he was, uh, was he auditioning up. then, or was he on the no, show? No, these were those. No, no, that was before. That's these were the meetings to get cast. Right. You know, he was. He, right. He'd made it to the waiting room at Lauren Michaels' office. Well, there's many people, maybe some that were in this, uh, in, uh, done this podcast, who have like taken long walks on the beach with Lauren and not been cast in the show. Yeah. Oh no, no. I I, don't, I haven't talked to anybody that's had that experience. Oh. Who have I really had on here from SNL? Just Janine and um, and Bill. Well, Hader was on a live one, and oh, Odin right. Kirk was there. Right. Yeah, I mean, he worked. He wrote and they there. all their experience, like you know, Janine's experience, Mo- was way Mo- different. Mulaney, yeah, I, I've had on. Yeah, he seems pretty shiny. Like yeah. he seems very efficient. He seems like he's going to win. Yeah, yeah, he's exactly. That's I would exactly say that he's really smart and and 
and also like once you become useful to that show, you're very you have a lot of power. Yeah, he's he is very smart, and it's like as soon as he finds his his voice as a performer, it's going to be pretty pretty devastating. Yeah, in a good way. Like and it's like an, it's like there. an emergency room there. So if you do your job well, yeah. like you will always, yeah. you know, you, like you're, you know, sketches crying and bleeding. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I remember doing. I remember one time doing like a Alan Alan show or something, and they were doing it live. Yeah, and it was in New York or something, and there was like a three minute commercial break, and they were moving a couch. Yeah, and there was so much yelling, and like, look out, we're coming through, whatever. And I rem- and it's just like at SNL, nobody yells, nobody panics. Yeah. It's really cool to watch because it's like, like it's like an emergency room. Nobody like goes like, "We're never gonna make it. <laughs> oh, yeah. We can't do this." It's just like, shit no one flying does it. around. Yeah, but very just, quietly. Yeah. And everyone's really good at their job. And there's a set. Yeah. Yeah. And there's not. There's just not. The histrionics aren't, aren't allowed. Yeah. And they kind of aren't allowed in the cast too. So you kind of don't. No room for drama queens or bitching. And well, there's there's been. Many and there's yeah. plenty of room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I but. like that you use the word histrionics appropriately. Thank you. That's I fucked that one up a couple times. You, you're using some big words with Showalter. What was the one? Semiotics, oh, semiotics. Yeah, yeah, but I had to pull that out. Like that. <laughs> I was just I, I was like very close to going to the bookshelf with that interview. Yeah, will you explain this to me? That became some sort of, you know, it was so sad because we're both clearly not intellectuals, but, <laughs> you know, at some point we really wanted to be. So mm-hmm. it was just this weird pseudo intellectual cockfight about something neither one of us really understood. It sounded very smart. Like, <laughs> sure the good news smart. is about most people didn't know if you were right or wrong. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. And, no, and most people had never even heard those concepts. It was like no. a very small group of people that, you know, did a second year of film studies that knew what we were talking about. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we've had a good conversation. Have we? Okay. What do you do? Are you going to walk away from this feeling weird and bad? Yeah, but you are? only because I love this podcast so much, and I, I. Hope... Do you want to cry? Is there something? Yeah, <laughs> I want to put on a weird hat. And no, I, I just want to sing a weird, hard sketchy hat. song for there's you. There's a pink hard hat. Well, there is. You know, I want to point out for yeah. the listeners. There's a, some. There's some crazy hats. There's in several. My studio. There's a. There's a, what looks like almost like a. What that's would a you gardener say that? hat. Like, that's oh, a gardener hat. Oh, it's a gardener hat. hat. I was going to say like a, a a white guy on vacation. Like that would be a hat you would wear if you were like. No, that was something that was bought at some point to work in the garden. The pink uh, hard hat was a gift because I did a U-line thing. The Santa hat, I don't know. Beneath the Santa hat is a is a devil's ears. There's a, a devil's hood of nice. It's a cute devil's hood. And over there, that is a an original swag hat from the first season of Dr. Katz. I could do 45 minutes of material with those God five hats. God damn it. I'm, let me get my flip cam. <laughs> <laughs> I will give you two one-hour plays based on those five hats. Called hats. And, I just, and all I need is a fake mustache and a bucket full of fake blood. Uh, okay. And well, we're good. Let's do it. <laughs> Thanks, Amy. Thanks, Mark. Okay, that's our show. I hope you enjoyed it. I love talking to Amy Poehler. I had no idea. I had no I have no idea the impact I have on people for better or for worse. Well, I usually know when it's bad, but I don't know when it's good. Uh, if you need anything WTF related, go to the brand new beautiful WTFpod.com. Get on the mailing list, buy a t-shirt, buy a mug. Uh, enjoy some of the uh, posts there, some of the videos. Go ahead and leave comments. I'd like to get that thing going. I'd like to make it a living, breathing site. I'm trying to keep shit updated there, but it's... I've been busy. Please come to Denver, the Comedy Works, June 16th through 19th, or come to Edmonton. Oh, God, please come to the mall. To the Comic Strip, June 23rd through 26th. 
JustCoffee.coop. You can get that at WTFPod.com or JustCoffee.coop.com, PunchlineMagazine.com, of course. And if you are into apps, we've got the WTF app for the iPhone, iPad, iPod Touch, Droid. You can go to iTunes and search WTF Premium. We just put a bunch of the old episodes up there, some of the classics. Patrice O'Neill, Zach Galifianakis, uh, Attell is up there, Norton, Dane Cook, Carlos Mencia, Luis Sique, Judd Apatow. Uh, we're going to be slowly putting more of those up as time goes on, and you can also get them at WTFPodshop.com. Wow. What a plug fest. What a plug fest. Did I forget anything? Is it anybody's birthday? Is there anything I need to do? Oh, congratulations, Rachel and Jason. Thank you for inviting me to your wedding in Oklahoma. I hope it went well. Good luck with everything. And I hope you've crossed the uh, the poo barrier. Because it's all, it's even, it's deeper love from there. Once you get that out of the way, who knows what the possibilities of your intimacy will hold. Thanks. I gotta, I gotta go.